So here we go, a little preview of this episode today. We decided to stay in the backyard. We got Dr. Benjamin Schwartz, who's with us, who's an orthopedic surgeon. It's really about 10 minutes down the road from me. He's an arthroplasty surgeon. He's one of the top voices from LinkedIn for 2020. He's got some really cool ideas about healthcare technology. We talk about perhaps maybe Apple building hospitals, maybe opening up an EMR. Lots of cool ideas in the orthopedic space and healthcare technology. We hope you like it. Here you go. We continue to thank our sponsor, OrthoLaser Orthopedic Laser Centers. They continue to offer MLS M8 technology for chronic and acute orthopedic pain as an alternative source to opioids and possibly even avoiding surgery. The franchises continue to spread across the country. It's an amazing opportunity for orthopedic surgeons and doctors and even medical device reps to become part of the growing technology. OrthoLaser Milwaukee and OrthoLaser Rochester just opened. We have another five in the queue. Come and join the OrthoLaser franchise family. Hashtag follow the fro. From medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello, world. It's fro time again. It's Dr. Scott Sigmund here to host another episode of the Ortho Show podcast. Yes, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. Uh, today is, again, no exception to that. We have Dr. Benjamin Schwartz, who's an orthopedic surgeon that specializes in joint replacement. He just got really one of the very cool, highly touted uh, awards where he is a LinkedIn top voice for 2020. We want to talk about that because that is not an easy thing to obtain, as a big LinkedIn guy myself would know. Uh, he's a leader in healthcare technology. He's also the chief innovation officer for Healant. And uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I feel like I finally made it in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are in the closet with us. We are still here. Uh, we've, we've traveled all over the world, so we've decided to just keep it at home, right? I live uh, right over North Andover, and you practice up in uh, Beverly, Massachusetts, literally a stone's throw away. And uh, we're dealing with some stuff right now, obviously, COVID. Uh, the next surge has come through, and the governor has been back and forth on his decision-making. But it sounds like your hospitals are open and allowing you to do outpatient uh, joint replacement at this point. Yeah, outpatient in the hospital. So as long as I can go home the same day, we're allowed to still do them. So uh, a little less restrictive than the last time, which is good. I think for everybody now, it's just a matter of figuring out who's appropriate, who's not appropriate. But uh, something's better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, our hospital is full. We we literally have no beds. We've got a, a ton of people even in the emergency room waiting for beds. So even though uh, outpatient elective surgery can be done at the main hospital, Lowell General, they've actually pulled staff and they're not going to do that. But the good news is our outpatient surgery center is exempt, and so we can still work next week, at least for for the time being. Anyway, we're not sure what the governor is going to do, but uh, yeah. In the, in the meanwhile, we'll do the best that we can and and try and make a difference for sure. So, so it's really great to have you on. You know, I I I always joke around about orthopedic surgeons. You know, we we kind of know that we're smart, but we like to fly under the radar, but. Dude, you're like a real intellectual. I mean, I read your <laughs> stuff. It's like, you know, it's like you really it's it's meaty. You got to really think about it as you're reading and and well, you know, well received. You got this this LinkedIn top voice. So so what drives you to 
want to provide commentary sort of necessarily outside of your comfort zone of the OR? Well, I think it's basically because my wife and kids got tired of listening to me. So I had to figure out another outlet uh, for my <laughs> opinions. Now, uh, I think like a lot of people, uh, I signed up for a LinkedIn account uh, years ago just because I got an email that says, hey, you signed up for a LinkedIn account. And I didn't think that much of it. I didn't really understand what LinkedIn was for. And then uh, I know, a couple of years ago, I just got a random message through LinkedIn. And so I had to log back in and uh, took some time just to kind of explore and figure out what it was all about and then fleshed out my profile and kind of filled out all that and, and um, you know, realized it was an opportunity to kind of network with people I wouldn't otherwise come across in, in my normal uh, daily dealings and, and got an interest in healthcare technology. It was a great way to connect with people, you know, sitting here in Beverly, Massachusetts, which is not a hotbed of healthcare technology. Um, it was a way to kind of connect with people and, and share my opinions and, and the reception was great. Uh, I never intended to go on there to be a top voice. It just kind of happened and, and try to share things that people find worthwhile and stimulate the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, to here we are. We're two private practice orthopedic surgeons. We're not even in academics, right? And yet, you know, you can you can voice opinions. You can have now colleagues and friends from all over the world uh, that want to you know interact with you, and then and then your brain power gets recognized, and then people seek you out, and then they say, "That's really an interesting idea. Do you want to go to work?" And then all of a sudden, you've got great opportunities. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's done. I mean, it's opened up tremendous doors with people and, and opportunities I, I never otherwise would have gotten a chance to pursue. And I think we have a great community of orthopedic surgeons that understand the value of that and, and connect with guys um, online on LinkedIn, you know, you and, and Dindasa and, and Ira Kirschenbaum, Matt Barber and, and Corey Callendine and, and Andrew Wickline, all these guys, you know, that you would have not necessarily come across other than at a meeting. Uh, which isn't happening right now. So it's a great little community. Yeah. And, and even more than the meetings. I mean, because at the meetings, right, you could go, there's like 30,000 people. Who knows who you're going to you're gonna see? But, you know, for the people that really are expressive in, in social media and online, you really develop, you know, relationships. And, and, and then it takes you beyond, like, for example, like Joey, like Ira's, you know, journal. A lot of us are a member of the, a part of that and being, being a part of that real innovative space. And it's just really a privilege to, to sort of walk the walk with these people. It really elevates your game, right? You always, you always take away as much as you provide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hartan and Ira is a great source of, of information. You know, as you said, he's the godfather of, of orthopedics and certainly on the internet and just a, a wealth of, of knowledge and experience. And, and what he's done with Joey is, is amazing. Uh, and, and everybody, all those guys learning from them and, and clinical side, innovative side, entrepreneurial side, all that stuff. Yeah, completely agree. So tell us what's going on with, with Healant. I think that's uh, become a passion of yours. And what's in that space and what are you doing? Yeah, so Healant is a company I got involved with, again, mostly through LinkedIn. Uh, about a year ago, it started as a, a company that was a way to connect patients with dietitians remotely. And this was before COVID hit. So the founder, like a lot of these companies, it, it came from personal experience. His wife was going through some, some issues where she was having, some, was having a hard time with food allergies and intolerances and wasn't happy with the, the solutions that were out there. So we developed this app and then it kind of became a way to help patients with weight loss and then optimization for surgery. And then I got involved and, and we sort of took it towards the orthopedic direction and real patient monitoring for joint replacements. Um, so it just evolved from there. And, and it was it was good timing in a sense that uh, once COVID hit in March, I had a lot of free time on my hands, was able to devote more time to it and got more involved in the company and helped to kind of steer 
some of the direction and the UI and the UX and, and that kind of stuff and, and have continued even as things ramped back up. Um, it's just a way to pursue my, my interest in healthcare technology and learn about that side of it and, and investing and, and entrepreneurship and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's face it, as orthopedic surgeons, for the most part, we suck at, at technology and change and innovation, right? That's it's such a major theme on this show, trying to get old school orthopedic surgeons to try something new and different. Uh, they just don't want to do it. And so it, it's a, it could be a definite challenge. And I love, you know, how how some 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 people have really delved deep within the pandemic and taking these opportunities. You know, we had Alejandro Badia who wrote a book during the time, and then you're you know, jumping in and really influencing and changing, you know, the company and the healthcare technology that we're doing. So it's awesome that that people were able to to use their time to their advantage to to really try and make a difference. So, I mean, where do you see? You know, where do you see healthcare technology going and, and how do we get how do we get more people to embrace it? I mean, obviously, the number one thing is telemedicine. Most of us have jumped on. But even now, I mean, you know, I look at my, my 11 partners, I would say maybe three of us are still doing telemedicine and the rest have already jumped back doing the old school stuff. So what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. We, we are comfortable in doing what we do. We feel like it works. And, and for the most part, it does. Uh, there are certain things that, that don't work or there are ways that we can be innovative to advance healthcare, do things better, you know, more cost efficient, uh, better access, improved care. Um, but I think it, the, the bar is pretty high. I think we're skeptical based on our experiences in the past, particularly with EMRs, where it's something that not only has it not made us better, it's actually somewhat made us worse and less efficient. And there's all this you know, siloing of healthcare. One system doesn't talk to the other system. And so I think that kind of turns people off. Anything that is perceived as going to slow down your workflow, make things harder, less efficient for you, particularly as orthopedic surgeons, where you know we can't handle inefficiency, uh, it, it's a hard sell. And I think there's also the burden of proof that these things are improving healthcare. They are reducing costs. They are uh, improving outcomes. And I think uh, we're still trying to do that. I think that's the other bar that has to be cleared. And, and um, I think that's the challenge for for healthcare technology from a startup perspective. And then you have it from kind of the, the big tech perspective as well, which is a, a different conversation. Yeah. In our own personal space at, you know, Lowell General's part of this Circle Health, which is part of Wellforce. So we combined in with Tufts. And so we, we had Surter as our EMR you know, forever. And actually they even had a Cerner, uh, one of the Cerner executives on the board of the hospital at Lowell General Hospital. And they've been, you know, they've worked tirelessly together to really make a, a system that works. And now because we've joined Wellforce, we've got to, we've got to switch to Epic. Yep. And so, you know, I mean, there's got to be some way to, to, to make it easier, you know, and flow better and, and have a better system. And it's just, it can be very challenging and, and difficult for us, much less the patient's, you know, we have this new technology that we signed up for that we thought was going to be great. I'm not even going to use its name, but the whole idea was that you were supposed to have patients register from home and then they could be in their car and then you could bring them in when they're ready. Right. Yep. And, and the problem is, is that, you know, it's seven pages of paper and we're still cutting down trees to be able to run it. I mean, it was just right. such a, a fiasco. So we like wasted $25,000, but yep. You know, I get eventually we've got to figure some of this stuff out where it's common for all. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, sometimes maybe the people that are de designing and developing these solutions maybe don't understand the workflow. And then, you know, let's face it, some of the things that we do in medicine may be counterintuitive to somebody that's not in medicine or isn't kind of on the front lines of patient care. And so it may sound great in theory, uh, but in practice, it just isn't as practical. And that's a perfect example of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have one hospital, we have Epic, the other hospital has Meditech, our practice uses Athena. Uh, we see patients from another health system that uses a different kind of Epic, and it's just like you spend half your time logging in 50 times and, and entering in information 50 times and still uh, have a hard time finding what you're looking for. And so interoperability uh, is a big issue. And, and without that, it makes things a lot more challenging and, and it makes technology worse, not better. Yeah. And, you know, CMS is mandating all these changes and we do all of these things. And then at the same time, they want to pay you less. So you're, you feel like you're doing more as a physician. We have, look at the end of the day, you know, it's not it's not about money. We care for our patients. We want to be all be well compensated for for the things that we're doing. But it, but it shouldn't be harder. And if it does become harder, you know, you shouldn't be paid less for the amount of time and energy that you're putting into it. So somewhere along the line, you know, the system system got broken and you know, I don't even know. It's like, you know, one of the other things that was brought up in another show, it's like, why is healthcare tied to employment, right? Why does the employer have to pay for healthcare? That really doesn't make a lot of sense. And right. in the current system, you know, now they're just passing on as much cost as they can to the employees because we just we just hired up and we just changed our, our, our program again. We went from Fallon to Blue Cross and we had like a 15% increase. And it's it's like, where does it end? I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, and a lot of it goes way back, you know, to previous days, old days where these things happened, and, and there's the same momentum that nobody wants to change it, and it, it, it seems to work for certain, you know, people and for certain avenues, and, and so the, the drive and the impetus to change it isn't there, and I think that's one area where healthcare technology can help. I think that's the convergence. How do you use healthcare technology to improve some of these things, make healthcare affordable, you know, employed or not employed, because a lot of people are losing the health insurance right now or losing access right now. Can you leverage technology to account for that? Uh, so I think that's the promise of it, whether or not we're there yet or not, I think is a matter of debate. So that's a great, great segue, because I want to go to one of your pieces, which I really liked a lot. And I got to ask, I mean, you, you know, you got some chutzpah there. You keep writing letters to the CEO of Google and Apple. And I just want to know, is anybody returning your emails? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, Tim Cook has not yet uh, uh, reached out to me. Uh, neither has uh, anyone from Google. So, yeah, I mean, the uh, I think it's an interesting time, right? So big, big tech has, has turned its eye towards healthcare. And the, the question is, why? You know, are they interested in really making change? Are they interested in improving healthcare, or is it just another market to go into that's you know three point whatever trillion dollars that we haven't had access to traditionally? And you know, cell phone markets mature, tablet markets mature, home computer markets mature. How do we grow and expand? Well, healthcare is a great market to go into, uh, and I think that's the cynical point of view. It's just, just another business opportunity to another you know pick at a trough to feed. Um, Hopefully that's not the case. You know, you hope that with the resources that they have, you know, the business acumen that they have, uh, that they want to improve healthcare. They want to make healthcare easier to access, more affordable, better quality for people. I think you can do that and still make money. These are still companies and businesses at the end of the day. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I think you can still make a lot of money in healthcare 
but you know maybe take it from 3.7 trillion to uh, you know 3.5 trillion or, or 3 trillion um, and improve access and, and quality and cost and, and still have a, a viable business model. So you know, whether or not they're going to do that, who knows? Uh, but I think that potential exists. So so let's talk about the article because I, I I want to dive into some of the points because you made some really cool points and I I think it would be great for a discussion for the audience to hear. So to Tim Cook in particular, you're like you're like, dude, here I got four ideas for you. I'll, I'll list them and then we'll roll through one by one. You're like, why don't you build your own EMR? I mean, you're like the, such an amazing tech company. Why do you have to rely on these other people that have done it wrong? Uh, how about starting your own insurance company? Right, they're certainly big enough. They certainly have enough employees. How about just building your own hospital, right? I mean, put all that cool technology in so that your employees can get all the, the latest and greatest, or perhaps maybe you start your own medical group, which sort of falls in, into that as well. So, you know, we had uh, Well Barsom on, who, who is now the CEO of, of Hopco, and, you know, he talks about universal healthcare uh, and all of these types of things too. So I think these are really cool points, but let's let's roll through one by one. So why doesn't, you know, why doesn't Apple build their own EMR? I mean, why not? Yeah, I think uh, Google is working on an EMR from what I understand. I, I don't know that, that Apple is, but you know, why not? You're, the problem with EMRs are they're not user-friendly, they're not interoperable. Uh, you know, what Apple does best is uh, iOS and, and their operating system. That's what's elegant. It keeps people coming back to it. So you know, can you solve that issue of, of uh, EMRs being so user-unfriendly and not really presenting the information uh, in a way that that's digestible. You know, for Apple, I think a part of it's they have to control the ecosystem. So, you know, it's their hardware, it's their software, and maybe that's part of the challenge of it. But I think, you know, it's crying out for somebody that has tech experience to, to make that a, a, a better experience for patients and doctors. So, you know, why not? Why not take on an Epic? Why not take on a Cerner, uh, something like that, and, and, and build your own EMR? So... Uh, yeah, I, I'd we'll like see. to start from scratch, you know, I mean, yeah. I just, yeah, I got you, need, right? you need to just kind of start over because yeah. Yeah. I think what happens, they just get more and more complex over time. These EMRs, instead of getting more and more user friendly, you just are adding layers and layers and layers of, of stuff on that just becomes you know way too complex and way beyond <laughs> what most people want to use it for. Yeah, it's driving me crazy. Like, sir, they, they did a bug fix the other day. So my nurse practitioner does all the orders. Like, I barely know how to turn the computer on at the hospital, but thank God for Kristen. She does an amazing job. And and so I have to co-sign the orders. And before, what you do is you just select all and you hit co-sign and it goes. But somebody decided, no, that's not good enough now. You have to be able to do this thing. So literally, they, you have to override certain orders if there's duplicates. And now, of the 500 orders that I have to sign, I have to double-click two more times for the next 25. So I have 50 more clicks. And it just drives you crazy. <laughs> you know, we're all sitting there. Right. Yeah, just when you get used to like the workflow, they they release an update that changes everything. And now you got to do the whole workflow over again. again nothing's where it was before. And then you, you, you click this button and you can't figure out. I, I consider myself to be relatively tech savvy, but every time they update Epic, it's like, you know, here we go. I got to learn it all over again. Um, you know, where did this go? Where did that go? How do I do that now? Why did they change that? Um, and, and it just, that's why doctors are skeptical of technology. This is our experience and exposure to technology on a daily basis. Yeah. So Tim Cook, you know, we're looking for sponsors on the Ortho Show podcast. So, you know, we're, we're talking you up here, you know, so build us an EMR and we'll bring you on the show. There you go. Exactly. I'm sure he'd love to be on. All right. So how about building your or starting your own insurance company? There's some of that. That's our, there's a lot of uh, um, uh, 
companies out there that are self-insured at this point mm-hmm. and self-insured can mean a couple of things, right? It can mean literally you're going to administer all of the work or you can be self-insured, put some money in the bank, and then you still hire Blue, Par- Blue Cross Blue Shield to administer the plan for you. But yeah, I mean, the idea of a technology company coming up with a process of, of insurance of claims and processing and payments and receipts, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, and you have the technology to follow the data in a way that can help you improve the care. Um, you know, why would a tech company want to start their own insurance company? They may not, um, but you have the resources, and, and that's an area where I think there is room for improvement uh, in, the, in one of the challenges in, in healthcare. So you have the resources to do it. Uh, maybe you can come at it from a novel angle. If it's not Apple, maybe it's an Amazon, maybe it's some type of you know, cooperative insurance where you have you know, massive amounts of people buying in together and, and it's sort of this shared risk uh, pool uh, to make it more affordable and make it more accessible for people, you know, even outside of their employment. So, um, you know, you have the means, you have the, the ability, the size to, to develop a new insurance model uh, to go against what exists that, that a lot of people feel doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, like you could have like literally an app on your iPhone now. You could be able to monitor, you know, your testing and 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 your payments and your co-pays and your deductibles. And I think that Apple could probably do that pretty darn good, you know? I think yeah, there's some uh, startups that are doing that now, yeah. you know, something along those lines. And, and I think if you really want to make a, a dent in healthcare, that's, that's one way to do it. And then sign me up for an Apple hospital. I mean, how cool would that be, right? I mean, you've got all these really – you'd have to – and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit because I like one of your other pieces where you where you, you sort of give heads up or some tips to healthcare technology about how you need to include us, right? If you're going to be in healthcare technology, yeah. you better have some doctors involved. Otherwise, you know, you can't have an engineer design a plane without having a pilot. So uh, I think that that's important. But – how about walking around in an Apple hospital? Can you imagine the technology and the and the communication and the ability to move around? That would be really neat space too. Yeah, I mean, say there, their their strength is uh, they design things that fit together, right? Their software fits their hardware, and, and you kind of control the whole process. That really is what makes it work and makes it efficient and, and, and keeps the bugs and kinks out of it. Um, you know, and then a fresh approach, you know, a new way to approach this problem and make everything efficient, um, you know, to, to, to solve some of the challenges that we see in the traditional model uh, and build like a tech forward hospital from the ground up that, that's really uh, innovative and, and changes the, the game compared to the traditional hospital model. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Arthrex is even doing that. I don't know if you're, you're not really an Arthrex guy because you're in the arthroplasty world, but yeah. You know, they've actually built a hospital, they've built a hotel on their campus. I mean, it's just remarkable, you know, what they've been able to do for their employees as a privately held company. It's a very different world when you don't have stockholders that you have to be able to answer to. Uh, But there is, you know, there is some uh, precedent for that, that's for sure. One of the other pieces that, that you talked about, and I think it's really cool, too, because, again, as a as a, as a doctor that's been involved in a lot of, you know, professional education as well as uh, medical device design and working with companies, I think that you had a piece that was really good. It was, be, and, and it was talking about, you know, the points that, that these technology companies should have when they're engaging doctors. You know, you talked about compensation for the doctors, being respectful of relationships, allowing the doctors to invest, you know, having a doctor on the team, those sorts of things. So let's run through that because I really think, you know, I think there's some real wisdom in there. And I know we have a lot of listeners out there that are on both sides of the equation. So, so go for it, man. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to connect with companies, whether through you know mentorship, through some incubators and accelerators, or people just reaching out to me directly. Uh, you know, and I appreciate that opportunity to to share my time and and you know my perspective coming from a clinical uh, background, and, and I always learn things from them as well, coming from an innovation background, healthcare technology background. You know, I think it has to be a, a, a two way street, and I think if you're going to engage a, a clinician. Um, you know, more than once or for an extended period of time that, you know, hey, uh, make them an advisor, make them a part of the team, you know, offer them some equity, offer them something for, for their time if it becomes uh, a more robust relationship. And for the most part, I found that to be the case, you know, for the companies that, that have engaged more than one time. But I think it's, uh, you know, it's a great way to, to develop a relationship because I think uh, you need both sides of it. You need the technology side of it, but you need that clinical touch, you need that clinical expertise to make it uh, successful and also to make sure you're really addressing problems and, and doing things that, that have impact. Yeah, you got, you know, if you're in the healthcare space, you just got to have some doctors that are on the team. Otherwise, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, you know, I've seen it both ways. I mean, we've been involved and, in, you know, I think time is important, right? We've only got so much time in a day. We're trying to care for our patients. And if you're going to, if you're going to ask doctors to be a part of it, you definitely, you know, should compensate them fairly for their time. It's not, nobody's asking for any, any favors, but we're all, you know, it's not an unreasonable thing. The investment thing is always, you know, I'm always leery of the investment. It's like, you know, you know, cause we doctors get asked to invest in a lot of things all the time. Uh, and I've always made it a point that I'm only investing in the things that I really know well in my own personal space, you know, rather than going down the line. Yeah. I think if you're going to engage a clinician for their opinion, you know, if your intent is, well, I'm just looking for an investor, yeah, be upfront about that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but be upfront about it. Don't, you know, say, Hey, I want to pick your brain. And then, you know, Hey, by the way, we need some investors or do you want to invest? I think that you, know, you, you shouldn't, uh, spend somebody's time or waste somebody's time for the sole purpose of looking for an investment, uh, unless that you let them know ahead of time. You know, if it's a pitch, it's a pitch. If you want you know, input and ideas and advice, that's something different. So you know, just be upfront about that. Completely agree. I'd rather invest my brain than my wallet any day of the week to to make uh, things work for sure. So we, you know, we have a lot of non orthopedic surgeons out there that that follow us. A big medical device, you know, following as well and. Uh, you know, it's a pandemic right now, and it's really hard for communication for for these reps if they have new products and things that they want to say and, and do. Do you have any advice for our, our medical device listener reps out there about how you communicate now at this point in time? And, you know, are you more amenable to Zoom meetings than you used to be? Things like that. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I feel for those guys, I know it's tough because it, it's a matter of getting in front of somebody and, and you know, being able to demonstrate things and, and that FaceTime is hard to do now. I still have guys reach out to me through email, which I think is fine. If it's a Zoom meeting, you know, if you happen to be in the hospital because you're supporting the case for somebody else, you're there anyway, you know, to, to spend a few minutes uh, going through something. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with either, uh, but yeah, it's a different world for the guy, those guys. I don't envy them because it's a tough world to exist in under normal circumstances. I'm sure it's even harder now with with limited access and limited ability to, you know, kind of demonstrate things and, and get FaceTime and get in front of guys. What's your philosophy at the hospitals as far as reps? Are they uh, an integral part of the team, especially in the arthroplasty world where you've got lots of movement and components and instruments? Yeah, no, I think the reps are are absolutely uh, critical. I mean, you know, I, I've been doing striker hips and knees for a long time now. I'm fairly familiar with uh, 
the equipment, the brooches, the jigs, the implants themselves. Uh, but they do, at least in, in my hospital, so much more than that. I mean, they're there making sure because I don't have the same scrub tech every time. They're setting up the table the way I like it. Uh, we have all the you know the funny retractors and stuff that I like to use. Um, they're putting out fires. If something's not there, there's a hole in the pan and, and you know, bringing in backup sets and tracking down the thing that got wrapped in the wrong pan. Um, so you know, I think they're they're integral to that process, and and you know they don't just support their products; they support the whole process and making sure that things go smoothly for me as well. So um, you know, I, I think the reps are critical. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I mean, we joke around all the time. Like, if you have a great rep, then you know there's no noise, right? You barely even know that they're there because they've done all the work behind the scenes to make it so that you don't have to ask for anything and everything's in place. One of my favorite rep stories was. You know, I, I was one of our podcasts, I can't remember, but literally a rep could determine what was in a sealed instrument tray by shaking the tray. He could understand the noise to know, oh, yeah, that's right. That's where that, you know, uh, that's where that instrument is inside. So I, I think that uh, I'm glad to hear that. We we greatly support our medical device reps out there that listening. Thank you all so much for being a part of that, uh, of the Ortho Show uh, uh, podcast ecosystem. You guys have been a huge part of what we're doing here. For sure. Yeah, I don't think people realize the stuff that these guys do behind the scenes. I understand, you know, whatever, I'm their customer and they're paid to like me or however, you know, cynical way you want to look at it. But they really do, you know, do a lot behind the scenes. It's a job I don't think I could ever do, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, so much running around and so much, you know, putting out fires and yet trying to make sure things go smoothly in the OR. So I never feel, you know, the fact that they had to dig down in central sterile to find that uh, piece of equipment that wandered off. Yeah, no, we completely agree. So, you know, Ben, this is great. I mean, this is what this is a what we like to do here on the Ortho Show. We provi- provide the unique stories of, of innovative orthopedic surgeons, and you've given us a really nice window into the view of of healthcare technology and the space in which we're going. And uh, you know, we we really greatly appreciate your opinions and social media, and really pushing the needle uh, as a t- top uh, top voice at LinkedIn. It's a pleasure to have had you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm glad I finally got to uh, to be on the Ortho Show. It's a big uh, honor for me. Oh, thank you so much. We're, we're really proud here at the Ortho Show. Our numbers continue to grow. We're proud to bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.